from the heartland and the crossroads of America. It's Tony Katz today. It seems that it, like in the past six minutes, everything just went nuts in the most amazing way. I have one, not one, I have two, I have three, like certifiably unbelievable stories that, that have all just recently dropped. And I haven't even played for you the Hillary Clinton insanity where she's screaming that right-wing extremists have a plan to literally steal the next presidential election. I thought you weren't supposed to say things like that. But there she is. Goodness gracious. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. What is up, my good people? 833-GOT-TONY. 833-468-8669. I'm serious. I have to start doing this show in a cigar lounge. This show requires a cigar to go along with it. I'm not saying you have to have one. I'm saying I'm required. That's it. Maybe a bourbon. I'll leave that for others. I'll take the cigar, not the bourbon. I'll save the bourbon for after the show. Where do I start? All right. I'm going to start with New York because this might be the biggest story in America as of today. New York Supreme Court reinstates all employees fired for being unvaccinated and orders back pay. I actually have part of the ruling right here ordered that a declaratory judgment is granted and that the Commissioner of Health and Mental Hygiene's order dated October 20th, 2021, violates the separation of powers doctrine under the New York Constitution, Article 3, ordered that a declaratory judgment is granted and that the Commissioner of Health and Mental Hygiene's order dated October 20th, 2021, violates the petitioner's equal rights protection rights pursuant to the New York Constitution, Article 1. Ordered that a declaratory judgment is granted and that the Commissioner of Health and Mental Hygiene's order dated violates the petitioner's substantive and procedural due process rights pursuant to the New York Constitution. And it goes on and on. The order was done in an arbitrary and capricious manner. Both the order on October 20th both the, this, and the order on December 13th. The mayor's executive order number 62, arbitrary and capricious. This is nuts. Now, we've discussed many, many times that any CEO anywhere who forced employees to get vaccinated... Any CEO who forced employees to get vaccinated was wrong and you should live with shame for the rest of your days. You didn't save any lives, dear people. Not a one. What you did was put people in a position where they had to comply or lose their livelihoods. You made them weak and small. You did this, or at least you attempted to. You didn't say, hey, while you're working for me, you got to wear a hard hat. They have to take this vaccine with them everywhere they go. And I'm not an anti-vaccine guy. But don't ever think that you're good. Every CEO within the sound of my voice, and there are hundreds of them, by the way, you force your employees to get vaccinated, 
you were wrong, you're gross, you deserve all the derision your employees give you and then some. The court found that, quote, being vaccinated does not prevent an individual from contracting or transmitting COVID-19. You know who said that from the beginning? Once you learn the science, us. Not me, us. We discuss the facts so often, it's not that we're smarter. It's that we are more honest than every other show, every other broadcast, every other platform in America. This show is more honest. And we knew from the data that it did not stop you from contracting uh, or transmitting COVID. If it had a 95% efficacy, if the Pfizer vaccine did or the Moderna vaccine did regarding uh, COVID or um, the, the, the first real variant, Delta, that means that 5% chance of getting through. And what would they call it? Breakthrough case. What did it break through? If you have 95% of your house, you know, covered or surrounded by a wall, that means you've got a door and the door might very well be open. Breakthrough cases, a ridiculous statement. And we knew that somebody else could get COVID because that's not how it worked. It reduced symptoms in you. We said so from the beginning. New York City fired approximately 1,400 employees for being unvaccinated. 1,400, including police officers and firefighters. Now, the question before us is, do those cops immediately get to go back to work? Can Mayor Eric Adams, who's already said he's not bringing those people back. Eric Adams stated, I'm not bringing those people back. No. So what happens now? What happens now? Do they go back to their jobs? Or are they now cops who can get hired in other places? My beloved Indianapolis is actually trying to do outreach to cops from other areas. Hey, come be a cop in Indy. I'm sure others are trying the same. Now, this, uh, the, 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 from the, uh, uh, Firefighters Association, his name is Andrew Ansbro, stating if you're going to remove the vaccine mandate for certain people in the city, you need to remove it for everybody in the city. If you're going to follow the science, science is going to tell you there isn't any danger right now and putting hundreds of firefighters, police officers and other emergency workers out of work is not in the best interest of the city. It's not safe. This isn't about the best interest of the city and I'm assuming Mr. Ansbro knows this. This is about the best interest of the ideology. The ideology says, well, we have to stop these people. We can't have them not vaccinated. They have to comply. That's why we shut businesses down. That's why we put people out of business. There is no forgiveness. There is no forgiveness for the people who said, we're going to shut you down. We're going to put you out of business. We're going to fear factor you, claiming that if you don't have the vaccine, you're going to get Meemaw killed, which is why I have nothing in my heart, nothing at all for these CEOs. They deserve all the derision they get. Now, this is only part one of the, of the story. Part there, there, or, or one of the stories, I should say. Here's a uh, another story. Twitter 
not happy. The employee is not happy with the possibility of Elon Musk taking over to the extent that Elon Musk is still going to actually buy the company. You never know how it's going to work out. So they have now started circulating a letter. I told you these two things came out in the last five minutes for me. And it was like, this is insane. The New York story where these 1,400 employees are going to get reinstated and get back pay. That's that's what's awesome. Is followed up by this story that Twitter employees, an unknown number of Twitter employees, circulating an open letter to Elon Musk demanding that they be allowed to keep all of their jobs pick journalistic and geopolitical winners and losers, and retain all their employee benefits. Now, you think I'm I'm making this up, right? That's how it got tweeted out. But let's see what the letter actually says. Staff, Elon Musk, and board of directors. This is from Time Magazine. We, the undersigned Twitter workers, believe the public conversation is in jeopardy. Elon Musk's plan to lay off 75% of Twitter workers will hurt Twitter's ability to serve the public conversation. A threat of this magnitude is reckless, undermines our users and customers' trust in our platform, and is a transparent act of worker intimidation. Twitter has significant effects on societies and communities across the globe. As we speak, Twitter is helping to uplift independent journalism in Ukraine and Iran, as well as powering social movements around the world. We demand... Elon must explicitly commit to preserve our benefits, both listed in the merger agreement and not, so for example, remote work. We demand leadership to establish and ensure fair severance policies for all workers before and after any change in ownership. And we demand transparent, prompt, and thoughtful communication around our working conditions. We demand to be treated with dignity and not to be treated as mere pawns in a game played by billionaires. Well... Ain't that something? You want to make sure you keep your job. You want to ensure that you're getting paid. And uh, then you want to um, ensure that nobody can change that. We demand that leadership does not discriminate against workers on the basis of their race, gender, disability, sexual orientation, or political beliefs. We also demand safety for workers on visas who will be forced to leave the country they work in if they are laid off. Yeah, too bad. We do, Honestly, don't, don't ask me to have any kind of room for that in, in, in my heart. No one guaranteed you a job in the United States. I don't want to hear it. That's your problem. We demand leadership to respect the platform and the workers who maintain it by committing to preserving the current headcount. You mean if I find there are seven layers of redundancy and I only need three, I have to keep the other four? Because you demand it? We, the workers at Twitter, will not be intimidated. We recommit to supporting the communities, organizations, and businesses who rely on Twitter. We will not stop serving the public conversation. You mean the one that you believe in? Because my public conversation keeps getting screwed with. My public conversation, that one right there, is affected daily by you. Because you don't think my public conversation is worth a good holy damn. You only care about your public conversation.
A threat to workers at Twitter is a threat to Twitter's future. These threats have an impact on us as workers and demonstrate a fundamental disconnect with the realities of operating Twitter. They threaten our livelihoods, access to essential health care, and the ability for visa holders to stay in the country they work in. We cannot do our work in an environment of constant harassment and threats. Without our work, there is no Twitter. I find your terms acceptable. There is no Twitter. By the way, it's not your work. Don't you think somebody else can do the work? To tell a company you have to hire a thousand people when only 250 are needed? Weird flex. Weird flex. But there's no threat to your livelihood because Twitter doesn't owe you a livelihood. No one owes you a livelihood. You go out there and earn it. Luckily, you won't have to learn to code because you already know how. You're like four steps ahead of the game. Is that letter great or what? That letter basically says, we demand you do what we want with your money. Or, or, or what? You'll quit? How about we just cut to the chase and I fire you anyway? It'll be just like you quit. But you can say you quit if you want to. Feel free. You can, just, you can say you quit. You, you go right ahead. It's unbelievable. Between that Twitter story and the story of the New York Supreme Court. I am very happy to see people who are going to get their back pay and are allowed back on the job. And this should be a lesson to all those who lost their heads and made demands of employees. You will never live it down and you shouldn't. You will always, always, always be wrong. It should be part of every obituary, every biography. That you forced employees to get a vaccine. You should be ashamed of yourselves. As for the employees of Twitter, uh, they can't be ashamed of themselves. They have no shame. I'm Tony Katz. My name is So now Twitter is asking the right questions. Mark, that's a damn good question. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today, of course, it's the state of New York uh, through uh, the New York Supreme Court that said you can't force vaccines on people and then fire them. You have to allow these people back to work and back pay. So all employees fired for being unvaccinated have been reinstated in in New York. All state employees, I should say. I'm not sure what goes on privately. Got to ask that question. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. The court found that, quote, being vaccinated does not prevent an individual from contracting or transmitting COVID-19, which, of course, we knew and, and, and we said. And so not only do these employees get reinstated, they get back pay. Mark asks a question on Twitter. So what about the people uh, told they couldn't go to a college without being vaccinated? Ah, good question. Good question. Now, I am part of a, I don't know if it's a majority or minority. I don't actually have an answer for it. And uh, since this uh, hits for people who... Uh, have have children 
Um, and, and some of them got their kids vaccinated. Some didn't get their kids uh, vaccinated. Some pushed for their college-age students to get vaccinated. Some said, don't you dare. I have, I have a hard time with this. I look at the idea of vaccinating children and I say no. My, my immediate reaction was no. My gut reaction was no. It remains a year later, no. There's not enough data to let you know what a vaccine could do to a kid moving into adulthood, ha- trying to have a future family, these kinds of things. You wait. That's my take. And I'm not quite sure what I'm supposed to say to people who pushed vaccines on their kids. I, I, I don't know how I'm supposed to handle it. It's a very honest conversation. Hope you don't mind. But what do you do about the universities who said, well, you can't come to the school without a vaccine? Um, those are uh, universities that should start with an apology that they didn't follow the science. They should start with that. You're telling me at these, uh, at, the, at the vast amount of these uh, institutions, they didn't understand that uh, a vaccine wasn't going to stop the spread of COVID? Of course they understood it. They went along with whatever it was that guaranteed them whatever kind of funding. And for that, they owe an apology. It doesn't get dismissed, doesn't get brushed under the rug. You were, they were wrong. Now, I think that also what parents learned is that the school is there to screw them over because you saw plenty of schools saying we're going to go back to school and everyone's going to be in class. And then they took your money for the semester. And then two days after school's in session, they're like, you know what? We're going virtual. And you paid all that money to send your kid virtually. Everyone should be like, you know what? Take a semester off. Go get a job. You'll be okay. You don't need to graduate in four years. There's no rush. And that's the way it should have been. But far too many parents have this idea. Oh, you got to graduate in four years. Without a college degree, you can't get a job. You can't do this. You have to rethink the whole system and start recognizing that college is not for everybody. A, B, not every college is looking out for the best interest of the students. That happens to be factual. Not every, certainly some. And number three, you're in charge. Your kids are going to live to be 90. Doesn't matter if you graduate in four years or six. Of course not. Meanwhile, we've got the big Fetterman-Oz debate tonight, and the Oz people better be ready for what's coming. I'll explain coming up. This is Tony Katz today. So amongst all the talk going on out there is tonight's debate in Pennsylvania. The Senate candidates between the Republican, Dr. Mehmet Oz, and the Democrat, the Lieutenant Governor, John Fetterman, the guy who had the stroke, who cannot respond to questions asked of him because he has a hard time processing what he hears. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. Guys, so good to be with you. TonyKatz.Locals.com. Let me say it again. TonyKatz.Locals.com. And when I say the man doesn't respond, I'm saying that the man doesn't respond. Hey, John, so do you agree with Democrat Larry Krasner that the progressive crime policies are working? He's at an event. Somebody asked the question, and you could see one of his people just try and walk in between the guy asking the question with a camera 
and John Fetterman. Oh, no, we're not going to allow any questions. They have a candidate who doesn't understand the question being asked. He had a stroke. I'm not making fun of him for having a stroke. I got to tell you, I'm not afraid of much. Stroke freaks me out. Stroke freaks me out. It, I, I, won't, I won't even begin to lie. It really and truly does. So he's going to have this debate where he's reading the questions off of a prompter. The problem is, is that when you're having a debate, sometimes the the other person will say something and you want to respond to it. Fetterman won't be able to. And that's his team making the claim. Fetterman's team is downplaying expectations hard for this debate. When you take a look at this race and you take a look at the polling, Fetterman, believe it or not, is still up. The last two polls... The Rasmussen poll has Fetterman up by two. 972 likely voters, a margin of error of three. That is inside the margin of error. The CBS YouGov poll, 1,084 likely voters, but a margin of error of 4.1. I don't know why it's that big. Like normally I'd be like, all right, it's the right polling size, but the, the margin of error is just too much for me. This has Fetterman plus two. Well, what does that matter? It's all within the margin. The Fox 29 Inside Advantage or Insider Advantage poll. Only 550 likely voters, a margin of error of 4.2. I would dismiss this, but it's a tie. I'm just sharing with you where, where the last uh, uh, items are. It is stunning, of course, that Fetterman is still in the lead. Running this campaign as, as they have, uh, basically from the basement. And anybody who questions... John Fetterman's mental state, well, they're an ableist. That's what John Fetterman's wife said. Dasha Burns from NBC admitted that he couldn't handle the small talk before their conversation. The question had, questions had to be written out for him so he could read them off of a screen. And so uh, Giselle Fetterman refers to reporter Dasha Burns as an ableist. It's imperative that when you see these things happen, you dismiss them. Because they're nonsense. A reporter is allowed to report on what it is they experienced in the interview. The Fetterman team is downplaying expectations ahead of the debate. Remember, expectations is everything. And this is where this has to be a concern for Dr. Oz. You got to, A, hope that Fetterman's really having an issue and it's not some kind of of, of rope-a-dope because if he does better than expected, it's on you. And then on uh, on Oz's uh, side is, or against him, I should say, is, oh, he was so rude to him. Oh, he was attacking him. Oh, he knew he had a stroke. Look at all the questions that he asked. Oh, there's going to be a lot of that. A lot of that. As reporters tune in for the Pennsylvania Senate debate on October 25th, Let's be clear about this matchup. Dr. Oz has been a professional TV personality for the last two decades. As the Philadelphia Inquirer's top political reporters wrote, even before his stroke, Fetterman wasn't great at debates. We'll admit this isn't John's format. Look no further than the debates from the primary earlier this year. On the other hand, Oz is a polished daytime TV host who knows his camera angles and how to craft TV moments. Good Lord. 
yeah, our guy sucks at this. Oz is the best in the world at it. This is uh, Oz's advantage in, in, a, in a debate. Oz is a media-savvy performer who literally built his career and his fortune by playing to the cameras as a daytime TV host. He hosted his scammy talk show for 13 season, seasons, filming over 2,000 episodes where he hawked miracle cures and magic diet pills to prey on hardworking Americans. Oh my gosh. This is their take. Oz will try to play the nice doctor on Tuesday night, but his campaign's attacks on John's health have consistently been mean been mean-spirited and cruel. We won't forget this is the same doctor whose campaign has mocked John's use of closed captioning technology, joked about him needing bathroom breaks and medical staff nearby, and said he wouldn't have had a stroke if he ate vegetables. Oz has even been forced to distance himself from staff and admit that he wouldn't talk to patients this way, the way he talks about, uh, his campaign talks about uh, John's health. As I said, this is how they're going to stage it and push it through. This is how they're going to try and and spin it. The reality is, John Fetterman does not understand the question asked of him. And Democrats don't care that his cognitive abilities may be in question. Now, I know what you're saying. The inability to answer the question is not necessarily uh, a question of cognitive abilities. I can't diagnose, right? The ability that if he had the question written for him would be able to understand it versus whether or not it was uh, said to him and how those responses are going may be different than the cognitive ability, the ability to understand the question itself. I don't disagree. But if you can't ask him questions during the debate because he cannot process the question, that is not a man who is prepared to be a senator. He can't have a conversation in, in, in the hallways. He can't hear his staff in a casual conversation to understand uh, a, a subject, a piece of legislation, what have you. The Democrats want to argue that Oz is a lying fraud who has no actual policy solutions and no core values. He's a scam artist who's not even from here but thinks he can buy our Senate seat. John Fetterman never showed up for work. There he is, the lieutenant governor. He's got a series of things that he's uh, supposed to, to do as lieutenant governor of, of Pennsylvania. The man didn't show up for work. He was on the grift for years, living off his parents, living off others. That's as the story goes. I'm not saying a man couldn't kind of help here, there, and everywhere. I'm making the argument that he didn't ever try for himself. And we have no reason to think that anything would be different if he were a senator. So there's this, this fascinating listing and grouping of possibilities that come from this debate tonight. And just as easily as it can go bad for Fetterman, it can go bad for Oz. Because people will decide, oh, he was just abusing that poor John Fetterman. He had a stroke, you know. Oh, Dr. Oz wasn't nice at all. So there's got to be a question about how in the world you thread this needle. For me, I will be reminding people of the fact that the Democratic Party knows 
is fully aware that John Fetterman isn't okay and they don't give a damn in the same way they know Joe Biden is not okay and they don't give a damn. They don't care. It's meaningless to them. They don't care that Joe Biden continues to wander off. They don't care that Joe Biden answers questions in this way that you don't quite understand because the words he's using is just mushmouth. They don't care at all. Every single day, there's another question about what in the world did Joe Biden say? I mean, there are so many questions to this. My God, we've got, we put together a whole theme song about it. Harris-Biden administration. You have a problem figuring out whether you're for me or Trump and you ain't black. Got hairy legs that turn, that, 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 that turn uh, um, blonde in the sun. We hold these truths to be self-evident. All men and women created by the, go, you know the, you know the thing. Say it ain't so, Joe. So where do I start? Honestly, where does one start in this? Here, hold on. I'll start here. I will start right. I'm just going to start playing just random clips that I have. Ran, just, just, just the basic stuff. My, my, my legislation says there can be no more than eight bullets in a round, okay? Well, you trust him on guns. Can't have more than eight bullets in a round. Fantastic. Secondly, if you don't have one of those loans, you just get 10000 written off. It's passed. I got it passed by a vote or two. His student loan bailout, which has been stopped by a judge, didn't pass anything. It wasn't put to a vote in, in, in the House or, or the Senate. What in the world is he talking about? Where they don't teach you, OGBYN, about the health and safety relative to pregnancy. Well, they wouldn't teach an OGBYN anything because it's an OBGYN. This is your president, people. This is your president again and again and again and again. Failing the basic English. By the way, as Tom Carper can tell you, I sort of got my political start at Dell State. This is the place we organized for Kent and Sussex County. This is how we got going. That was back in 1871, I think, but a long time. Do you think think he made a a mistake that saying it was 1871 or for a second there? Did he actually believe it? It's Joe Biden. You never, ever, ever know. I mean, we've discussed the fact that the man fell asleep during, uh, during an interview. And then, of course, there's this famous line that he uses everywhere. And I didn't even see all of it. I didn't see the bleachers up there. Hey, everybody. Don't jump. Don't jump. 
You know how many times he's used that dumb line, don't jump? Every single day he's using that dumb line, don't jump. So I became a full professor at the University of Pennsylvania. He was never a full professor. Never once, never ever, never ever. It's just a lie. Guys, I have got pages, pages of this stuff. How about uh, Biden talking about John Fetterman and his wife? And and uh, John, thank you uh, very much for uh, for running. I really do appreciate it. And Zell, you're gonna you're gonna be a great uh, a great lady in the Senate. So does that mean that his wife's actually going to be the person in the Senate making the decisions for her husband who got voted for, if indeed he does? Joe Biden's not okay. I would share with you all the video I have, ha- I have of him wandering off. But honestly, it's only a three-hour show. We only have so many things that we could share here. And yet Democrats proudly, proudly want to tell you how Joe Biden's fine. Joe Biden's not fine. To quote Marcellus Wallace or to paraphrase, he's pretty blank and far from okay. And the same is true of John Fetterman. And yet they're going to tell you that it's wrong to notice. They're going to tell you that it is wrong for you to notice the issues with John Fetterman. It's only going to be about how rude Dr. Oz was. I don't think there's anything wrong with noticing what's wrong with both of them. Because there is much wrong with both Biden and Fetterman. And honest people have to be honest about these issues. That's all we're ever going to be. Keep it here. I'm Tony Katz. So GMC unleashes their EV electric vehicle. You got got to call it an EV, don't you know? The GMC Sierra Denali. And it sold out in 15 minutes, which is impressive. Considering it's $107,000. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. I will tell you the ad for this. I saw it on TV. And maybe it was during Sunday football. And I was like, that's a good ad. It was a good, good, good ad. Really good. It looked like a truck. It felt like a truck. The fit and finish was something else. It could get 400 miles to a charge. And you're like, all right, that'll get me around town for a while. And then it was like, and fully equipped. And you're like, oh, man, what in the world is fully equipped right there? Fully equipped. It could charge your house for 21 days. And I was like, oh, that's a, that's a something. It can, it could charge your house for 21 days. That is something else. Now, remember, GM has uh, the, uh, the, the 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 electric Hummer, which oh yes yes I like, just so we're all perfectly clear. You know I drive an H three. Oh I love Hummer. I love the brand. I have considered getting a uh, getting a true H one, like getting a military one, and then slowly 
working it through. Because you can find them at like those surplus auctions for like four grand. Get one, park it, start uh, working on it. I, that That's what I would do. That's what I think I'm going to do. But, oh, you better believe, you better believe I would take a look at, uh, at the the electric H, oh, the Hummer, oh, spectacular. But this thing was amazing. I thought the Sierra, I thought the ad was beautiful for it. I thought it was, it really connected. And selling out in 15 minutes is pretty impressive. Doesn't get delivered till 2024. One has to assume they've got the chips somehow. One has to assume they're going to be able to handle this. I hope for their sake. I really, truly do. More to get to. Keep it right here. Find everything. TonyCats.locals.com. This is Tony Katz today.